Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't want to be. The most serious radio show in America for a bunch of different reasons. It's not really my personality, if if you know me. And uh, it's not the best way to make money either. But I just came across something that has me. I'm, I'm, I'm not optimistic about the future. I'm really not. Just I'm not. Hmm. I think all of the arrows are pointing toward disaster in the near future. Yeah, yeah. My optimism, to the extent that it exists, and, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows, folks, if you know what I mean, uh, it's based on the fact that generally negatives create responses that that turn things more positive. Generally, awareness of the awfulness of a trend grows and grows until people unite against it. I'm not 100% sure that's going to happen in the same way in the country right now, given the changes in communications and technology and media and such. Uh, But that's where my hope comes from. Well, long term, hopefully things will be fine. But uh, short term, like decade or so, next decade or so, going to be it's not going to we're not past the bad part. I guess that'd be my point. There's no way we're past the bad part. Right, right. You know, and and I've got some really interesting stuff on what Americans are actually uh, concerned about, and some some a cool new poll that I'll tell you about in a second. But um, 
you know, just to your your point, Jack, I find myself asking. And we're talking about, you know, politicians, political parties, uh, media companies, media personalities, uh, you know, Twitter accounts, whatever. Is there any limit to what they will damage if they can profit personally? Do they have any patriotic or moral limit on what they're willing to destroy if they gain from destroying? Politicians? No. Media figures for ratings? No. So I guess if you... So I guess my answer is no. Yeah. Um, I'm reminded of this email from JT. Uh, Jack asked if the Rolling Stones headline, the Buffalo shooter isn't a lone wolf. He's a mainstream Republican. Jack asked if they, if Rolling Stone were helping or hurting the situation. Uh, of course, they aren't trying to help the situation, he writes. In fact, they're happy to worsen the situation if they think it will possibly help their cause. The question should be, why are these people willing to stoke race hatred and falsely directed at the GOP? To me, it exactly matches when Biden calls minor changes to voter laws Jim Crow on steroids. Okay, I, I think these are two completely different things. I, I, I wish this guy were right. Uh, I think Joe Biden's being cynical. He doesn't think it's Jim Crow on steroids. I think the staff at Rolling Stone believes the average Republican is a murderous racist. I think they hmm. actually believe that. Wow. Okay. Well, just you like may be the, right. Just like the woke crowd at Twitter or Netflix or any of these other places. They actually believe that stuff. You know, maybe since we've gone down this road this far, maybe I'll mention this and then maybe your, uh, your stats will help us, uh, sort this out. I came across this and kind of on the topic we were talking about last hour on, um, the changing demographics of the country and politicians and pundits cheering the shrinking of the white population. You can't cheer one demographic going away and think that there's not going to be angst about that. I mean, it's weird. So how about this? Here's a guy, and so I looked up who he was on Twitter. He's the president of some uh, think tank, a fellow at University of Texas, Austin, also involved with Columbia. He's a, he's a big deal in academics. This is what he tweeted out yesterday. The same sort of thinking about race and birth rates now dominates the conservative con- Supreme Court. The leaked draft opinion isn't about protecting babies. It's about protecting whiteness, specifically white babies. That's bizarre and incorrect. Other than that, it's a fine argument. Well, and evil to claim without evidence. So there are enough people that think that sort of thing. We are going to have, we're headed toward worse racial divisions and more violence, not less Well, to get back to JT's email, both comments, uh, Biden and Rolling Stone, are designed to hurt the country, but ostensibly help the DNC. Ditto the 1619 Project. Ditto anti-racism and CRT. Think the country needs to wake up and realize that the progressives care more about preserving and growing their power than they do about helping the country. Stoking race hatred is abominable, but it's become just about routine in lefty circles. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I... I don't know how this isn't more clear to more people that this constant racism toward white people is going to lead to more racism overall. Well, and let's not, I don't, you're right. Uh, I, I feel no need to mention any specific uh, ethnicity. If you stoke race hatred for political gain, 
you will get more race hatred. And you, like so many fools and revolutionaries throughout history, have decided we will cause a whirlwind, then we will reap the whirlwind, when the whirlwind ends up destroying everything. It's it's the, the hubris of the often young or, or highly ideological college professor type who thinks, no, 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 no. We can tear everything down and cause chaos, and then we will, through our incredible intelligence and persuasiveness, craft a wonderful utopian future. And the utopian future ends up being death and destruction. Speaking of the most serious radio show in America. So I am not optimistic for the at least coming decade or two. You combine that with uh, an unsustainable financial structure and a couple other things, and I mean, it's it could be a really rocky road this next couple of decades. Why would anybody want to listen to this? Why would I even want to think about it? I don't know. You know, I'm not saying you should develop a taste for human flesh. I'm just saying it might be helpful. Here's one interesting aspect of the way you look at it. Somehow, all of these things like um, unsustainable financial problems lead to, lead to cannibalism. Um, yes. Stoking race uh, fears leads yes. to cannibalism. And I don't. Yes, almost, almost inevitably. Yes. I don't see how these things turn into cannibalism. Well, you're a fool. <laughs> you're a short sighted. You're a fool. You will, you will probably be on my spit. Exactly. When the cannibalism comes, because yeah. you won't see it coming like I'll I I'll be among the first eaten because I just don't get. Well, right. You don't understand. It's like Positive Sean, our old producer, used to say the guy who wins the fight is the first guy who realizes I'm in a fight. Well, the guy who ends up on the spit is the last guy who realizes cannibalism has come. On a more serious note, why don't we break on time for the first times in our lives? Let me wax briefly about something nice. See, I tried to break. Michael, make a note of that. (laughs) How about I wax briefly about something positive to change my own brain chemistry so we can move on? Yes. Last night, my son had his final soccer game of the season, and they had a little pizza party afterwards. And watching him and his buddies... Can I get through this without getting emotional? Maybe not. Um, watching him and his buddies play mm. was just freaking awesome. Just oh, yeah. freaking awesome. Oh, that's what life is right there. So, yep. you know, if you focus on that stuff, just the daily, your family and everything like that. Right. It's so much better than these overarching problems. The joy of creation and your friends and families and nature and the rest of it, right. Why would my son and his friends sticking ice cubes down each other's shirts be so touching to me? I don't know why exactly, but it is. You know, that is one of the great pranks. I know. Of humankind. That's probably been a thing since, well, I was about to say since refrigeration, but in parts of the country where they have ice, you know. (laughs) I believe I actually did that to my wife. (laughs) Fairly early in our courtship. And I it's an all-timer. Shirt. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Always good All-timer. <laughs> okay, there, there's a positive thing. There you go. Uh, stay I with did us. the flaming bag on the porch to my wife. <laughs> oh, no, no not nearly as, well. as pleasant. No, Michael, no. Armstrong and Getty. How does 
raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans? So look, I think we encourage those who have done very well, right, especially those who care about climate change uh, to support a fair ta tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops, builders, a higher percentage of their earnings. People that care about climate change, where the, what would that a left turn? Whoa. Make sure I got my seatbelt on. I mean, she went from, like, not answering the question into Uber nonsense there. Uh, an apt introduction to the new project that 538.com is taking on with Ipsos polling. And that is polling a couple of thousand Americans on a regular basis about their biggest concerns. Uh, they're trotting this out for the first time. They are going to poll those same couple of thousand Americans uh, over and over again to see how their concerns have evolved to get a better sense of whether Americans' concerns are changing and the extent to which those worries will influence the country's political environment. Uh, you know, one note before we dive into it, I, I was reading the write-up from 538, and they, as most polling does, uh, divides people by race and mentions the race of various uh, respondents uh, reflexively. I understand why for the purposes of politicians trying to target various groups, you might want to know that. But I just thought it was interesting that we now reflexively are grouping people by race, even as we're looking for data about, you know, economic concerns, mm. for instance. Anyway, um, the answer to what Americans are most worried about is pretty straightforward. Inflation. I mean, by far, not even close Everybody, uh, until you start breaking it down into smaller demographic groups, is most worried about inflation or increasing costs. If you're not, you're a weirdo. Yes, it's 65% of Republicans. Interestingly, it's only 42% of Democrats. Now, wait a minute. Nah, that's a that's a gesture. Right. That's a, be. oh, I know they're using inflation to batter the Democrats in the, the White House, so I'm going to say I'm not uh, There's no not way you're it. not worried about inflation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, independents are significantly more concerned about uh, inflation than Democrats, but significantly less than Republicans. So could it be Republicans are extra happy to talk about it because sure. it hurts Biden? Sure. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Uh, political extremism or polarization ranks very, very high. Mm, well, uh, if you're not worried about that, you're a fool. Yeah. You're and, a fool! And we got to have that clip, Andy. Cause I you're a fool! That. There you go. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, and, and interestingly, the band from Republicans, who are the least uh, concerned about it, to uh, Democrats, who are the most concerned about it, is not even 10 points. Democrats, Republicans, independents overall, it's all in a very narrow band. Everybody is to, well, a, a significant chunk of everybody is kind of concerned about it. Uh, gun God, and violence we have an, or we, yeah. And we've created an incentive structure, not on purpose, but we have an incentive structure for both politicians with small donors and all social media and the clickbait, the way the modern media world works, to stoke it. Yes. Yeah, constant anger gets political dollars flowing. Anger and outrage and fear get those clicks a-coming. Or serving your political niche what they want to hear. Yeah, this is an interesting category. Crime or gun violence. Hmm. 
if you were to say crime, I think you'd get some pretty high numbers among everybody. But you throw in the phrase gun violence there, and that brings in Second Amendment questions. Mm. And I think it's interesting to note that Democrats uh, answer that question, yeah, I'm, I'm damn concerned about that, uh, at about uh, 14 points higher, if I'm reading this graph correctly, than Republicans. And I know crime is a big Republican issue. So, again, I, I, I ask 538 uh, and Ipsos. I wonder whether you can break those things out or, or get a little more specific about it. Um, immigration is an interesting one. Republicans, about 35%, say they are... Um, uh, the specific phrasing is, is this issue among the most important facing the country? So it's just kind of a generalized, you don't have to pick one. Um, uh, immigration is cited by only 35% of Republicans, which is interesting, and 8% of Democrats. Well, well, that's why it doesn't get much coverage then. That's why, you know, okay, maybe that just explains the coverage right there. It's not ideological. It's just our audience isn't interested in it. Independents are kind of in the middle. Uh, government budget. We had and, the highest number of people apprehended at the border in our nation's history last month. Mm-hmm. And nobody's interested? Okay. And the highest number sneaking in, too. Presumably, and, and any border guard, a border agent would tell you that's true. Uh, government budget and debt. A little under 30% of Republicans said it's uh, 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 very, among the most important issues facing our country. Well, not once again, even 30%. Once again, to those people, I say, you fool! How are you not worried about that? And among Democrats, 7%. The fact that we are saddling our children with enormous interest rates and choking taxation. There's not even 10% of Democrats that think that's significant. Maybe it's just short-term thinking. Maybe it's just you're the sort of person that has a maxed-out credit card and you don't worry about it. You should, but you don't. Yeah. Uh, Climate change is a similar spread, but in exactly the opposite direction. But there are only 30% of Democrats who say, yeah, this is among the big, big issues. Only 30%. And overall, it's about 15% of people. 15. Uh, Sliding on down, uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus is uh, Democrats. 25% say it's a major, major problem right now. Uh, Republicans, it's about 8%. Uh, Health care, I'm surprised how low those numbers are. They're in the, uh, you know, 5 to uh, 18% range. Um, let's see. Election security or fraud? 3% of Democrats, 20% of Republicans. And we're going to work our way down. Uh, taxes is all single digits. Opioid and drug addiction, single digits. Abortion, like 4 46%. Okay, well, so the fact that these numbers are so low on these topics makes it I guess more uh, meaningful, those high numbers on inflation then, huh? Yeah, that's a good way to put it and a a good conclusion to draw. But again, folks, how much have you heard about the Roe v. Wade draft decision and abortion? You've got, it looks to be like, uh, you know, 4% of independents and 6% of Republicans. That's the entire spread. Wow. Yeah. That are thinking about this on a regular basis, worried about it. I think it's one of the most critical issues in front of the country, yeah. yeah. I think that's a pretty legitimate result. Inflation and increasing costs, also political polarization. How about that? Well, I'll tell you, the issue that's going to keep me up at night is inflation. It's not, you know, a whole bunch of these other federal government issues, certainly. Um, If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast to Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There's a new challenge going viral on TikTok, and somehow I think it might be the craziest one yet. Take a look at this one. It's called the Kool-Aid Man Challenge, and it's recently gone viral in Nebraska. Teens are running into fences saying, oh yeah, like the Kool-Aid Man, and knocking the fence down. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the Kool-Aid Man Challenge. Brought to you by White Claw Refresher. 
I never believe that these challenges are really quite as viral as I'm led to believe. Well, and, you know, as Michael mentioned off the air, if your kid is, is engaging in them, perhaps you need to reduce your expectations for their future. Breaking, and, and you will feel the consequences. I'm sorry. Breaking news. Breaking yacht rock news. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, Eric Clapton has canceled the rest of his tour because he's got COVID. So uh, a lot is being made of that as he is pretty famously anti-vaccine, anti-shutdown, wrote songs about it, has lost friendships he's had for a half a century over it, people who won't speak to him anymore. Uh, anyway, Eric Clapton has canceled the rest of his shows for this tour because he got the COVID. And he's dang near 80, so it's not a minor thing to get COVID when you're almost 80. Canceled! Coronavirus! Thank you, Dr. Cardi. So, do with that information what you want. Oh, speaking of old fellas and things that happened to them, uh, my dad played golf the other day, shot his age. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, it's kind of a big thing. He's done it a handful of times. He is 81, for the record. I bowled my age. You didn't say anything. <laughs> Is that an old joke? It ought to be. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. You have to get. You have to get. You have to be good enough, and getting old enough helps. So, well, right, and uh, you know, obviously, a sixty-four-year-old who shoots their age—that's uh, less impressive in terms of you know being a plucky oldster, and more impressive in terms of your skill with the sticks. Oh, geez, but- I'd say. Yeah. Um, but anyway, congrats, Dad. Yeah, well that's, done. Way to that's hang in there. something. Yeah, it's funny. And uh, just a private note for the golfers. We'll still have conversations where he says, you know, I can't, I've, uh, I've tweaked something in my swing, and it's really, really working for me. That <laughs> so, just never wow. ends. Even at never that ends. age, it's, wow, that's something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what's so wonderful about the game, honestly. Finally it's, figured it out. It's the puzzle that can't be solved. Anyway, a quick uh, roundup of news items for you. The legendary Beta Breakers race in San Francisco has made an important announcement. They honored the race's top non-binary finishers this year, reversing course from earlier plans to give awards only to runners in traditional male and female categories. San Francisco runner Cal Calamia, age 25, who's non-binary, was the top finisher. Uh, I feel so overwhelmed with emotion I could really cry, said Calamia, which gives you a clue as to, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) congratulations. I don't know, maybe a sensitive dude. I don't know. You know, I cried when I, the one marathon I ran, and I am not a crier. I cried afterwards because it was just so. When you saw your time? (laughs) It was so difficult for me. I think, I don't know what happened. I have no idea what happened. It was weird. It was weird. It was disturbing. I was disturbed by myself. Well, that's, that's something, though. Yeah. Did you find something deep within yourself? No. Did you discover something? No, no, no. It wasn't anything like that. It was just so painful and so oh. difficult. I think I'd had to block out all uh, sense and emotion to be able to run that far. And uh, something gave way when I finished. Yeah, I was say, didn't you run on a broken ankle or something? And oh, you no, didn't my, stop? I, I damaged my Achilles. Uh, it was making a squishing sound oh, as I Lord. ran. Oh, God. And it's never been right since. It was like permanent, permanently a bad idea. So here I am thinking you cried because you discovered something deep within no. yourself. But no, you cried for the same reason a man cries if he hits himself in the thumb with a hammer. No, I know this is a very uh, look-at-me sort of story. But my theory was, so I hadn't trained for the marathon. The furthest I'd ever run in my life 
was seven miles, and that was four days before the marathon. So oh I, I didn't really train for the marathon, and I just, my theory was, uh, it was the San Francisco Marathon, which a lot of people don't run because it's so hilly. It's hard, even if you're in shape. Uh, but my theory was, if somebody put a gun to your head, you could run 26 miles. You you could. So I just thought if I can get myself in the right mental state of you have to do this, I can do it. And I did it. It took me a very long time, but I did it. But when I, at the end, it was like I'd been hit by a car and I started crying. So I'm not sure it was the best. Hmm. Um, well, it's a unique training regimen. <laughs> and of course, I got drunk the night before, even though I know it'd be a, yeah, just all kinds of you fool! you fool! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! You got drunk the night before? Honestly, Again, God, the day after I ran the, the day after I ran the marathon, maybe maybe this happens to everybody. But the day after, when I got up in the morning, it was like I had been in a terrible accident. Every part of my body hurt so bad I could barely roll out of bed and crawl to the bathroom to relieve myself. Wow! Wow! I can't sounds be good nice. for you. Yeah, it sounds fun, yeah. doesn't it? Man, I, I admire you trying it though. I get I winded at I get winded at the end of a run on sentence. <laughs> hey all Hey now. Whoa. Hey all come on, folks. Tough crowd here now. Come on. <laughs> there we go. Uh, this is getting a this is getting a lot of attention, so I assume it's a big deal. US soccer has agreed to equalize pay for men and women in a landmark agreement. I thought they just came to a different deal not long ago. Because the gals wanted a very different deal and wanted a bunch of other things, they accepted lower pay. Isn't women's soccer, I mean, in America, women's soccer, I guess because they're better, we pay more attention to the women's soccer team than the men's soccer team. They win more, yeah. Yeah, just because they win more. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, yeah, I'll dig into that. I'm sure there's much more to it than the mainstream media is reporting. Uh, and they are probably spinning it incorrectly. A new working paper that analyzed testing data from millions of students in 49 states has shown, uh, beyond a doubt, brace yourselves now, remote instruction was a failure for American children and was the primary driver of widening achievement gaps. That's right. Keeping the schools closed was horrible for American children and by far the worst for poorer children. And if you like to break things down by race, children of color right so yeah yeah, yeah. we know and that was driven by people on the left no yes. doubt about it indeed uh, i the, hope the I, same... wish, I wish the media would be honest about that the people of the left made education significantly worse for immigrant children of color i mean not immigrant um, um uh, low income children mm-hmm. of color the people right. on the left did this the people on yeah. the right wanted the schools to be open well, they, well, you they also devastated, uh, you know, uh, kids of all classes. Let's not leave no, that out. No, absolutely. That is absolutely true. But uh, I wish that. And we had the proof yesterday when Dr. Fauci was asked in a hearing yesterday, did we need to shut down the schools? Dr. Fauci, even Dr. Fauci had too much of a conscience to lie about it, said it's uh, it's hard to t- it's hard to say. So even he couldn't be a clearly it was a good idea. Nope. So if Dr. Fauci says it's hard to say, it's a clear no, it wasn't worth shutting down the schools. Right, right. Jumping from, oh, I hope that same research outfit uh, looks into whether people like orgasms and whether ice cream's yummy on a summer's day. I mean, 
Although I appreciate them breaking down the data. Uh, the Navy is unprepared to fight in two conflicts at once with the current fleet, according to the service's top officer. No way we can go at Russia and China, for instance. The current fleet of about 289 ships is not sized to handle two simultaneous conflicts, which had been the doctrine of the mm. United States Armed Forces for many decades until Barack Obama decided uh, it was time to spend the peace dividend uh, and and vastly reduce our military. We are still trying to rebuild it. I have a feeling like uh, the the countries of NATO and the the Swedens and Finlands of the world, we have been awakened by recent events, and I have a feeling we will go ahead and and take care of that. Sweden and Finland, who have now officially applied to be in NATO, uh, and they would be in NATO like tomorrow, if it weren't for the fact that Turkey says no, and they've got a system in NATO where everybody has to agree to for you to become a member, which I guess kind of makes sense because you do, you are, you are a part of Article 5, which is an attack on one is an attack on all. So I guess as a country that's contractually obligated to come to another country's defense, if they're attacked, everybody should agree. And I must, I must quibble though. Turkey has not said no. They are bitching about it, but in a way that seems to me clear that they just want a little something. Okay. Then they'll okay. go along. I with hope it. you're right. I hope you're at the, the whatever reporting you've taken in is correct. Yeah, I can't remember the specific objection they raised, but it was absolutely surmountable. Okay. Awesome. So now Russia has a country with a 900 mile border. Uh, and an ass-kicking military and, that's actually disciplined and actually trained. And a population that hates you going back many decades. So, ah, that's not what Putin was hoping for. Now they're in the, the NATO club. So yeah, Mar- nice job, Putin. Mariupol, as we mentioned yesterday, officially surrendered to the Russians. It is the first major city the Russians have captured in the three-month war. Giving them the much-desired land bridge between Russia and Crimea. How long can they hold it? How savage will the counterattacks be? I have a feeling that's the story of the next few weeks. Yeah, and uh, Ukraine is supposedly mobilizing for a major offensive. So, um, yeah, everybody's been saying this since the whole thing started. But the next couple of weeks are going to be big. Every couple of weeks have been big. And, of course, if you're in one of those freaking towns that gets bombed every single day and you're trying to find clean water and something to eat every moment of your life is big holy crap so among the stuff i'd like to squeeze in coming up uh that we'd like to squeeze in coming up is uh, the amber heard johnny depp trial that's absolutely right good lord got some unbelievable testimony out of that from yesterday fecal matter coming up woke university's newest social justice crusade fighting against fat discrimination okay Fat studies. Uh, Also, uh, California law struck down as unconstitutional. You might want to hear about. And butt lifts are booming. Okay. Booming butt lifts. All right. (laughs) Stay with it. It's actually, it's a revealing story, I think, about America. No pun intended. And it was quite a day in the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. Holy cow. Stay tuned. All that stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Did you hear about the lady who uh, swallowed her COVID test and had to get surgery? What? How, how does that happen? I hate to call anybody who something bad happened to dumb or anything, but how did you manage to get the swab so far in you that you swallowed it? <laughs> Good Lord, lady. Anyway, so... I have a shocking and important update on a major government program. And then uh, Jack can get into whatever filth or foolishness he insists on talking about. <clears throat> so I uh, came across this Glenn Greenwald piece about the new uh, Ministry of Information, the uh, Bureau of Misinformation Destruction, or whatever the hell they were calling it at DHS. Um, and he wrote this great thing about this uh, Jankowitz woman who was going to head it up. Um, She tweeted, among other things, I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists like Elon Musk were taking over more platforms, et cetera, et cetera. So she's in favor of censorship. Um, When controversy over this new disinformation board erupted, CNN claimed Jankowitz was a disinformation expert with experience working on Ukraine and Russia issues. Homeland Security or Secretary Mayorkas called her an eminently qualified, renowned expert in the field of disinformation. Greenwald writes, but what does that even mean? What is the field of disinformation? And how does one become an, quote, eminently qualified, renowned expert in it? 
Is there some graduate program or new field of discipline one must study? Is there a licensing board that certifies one as a disinformation expert or scholarship one demonstrates? Which credentials constitute expertise? This is all a sham, the whole thing. The very idea that Jankowitz, draping herself in hashtag resistance cliches, agitating for online censorship, and neurotically posting liberal Twitter hashtags is an expert in anything, let alone one who identifies and combats disinformation, is laughable on its face. And that's true of everyone who's claiming this pompous, fictitious expertise for themselves. Far worse than Jankowitz's fixation on censoring those with whom she disagrees, now a stable of liberal politics, is the fact that this new disinformation czar is herself ratified and helped spread virtually every disinformation campaign concocted by the Union of the Democratic Party and corporate media over the last five years. And she's done so with gusto. She's spread disinformation at every turn, and he goes into this long list from the Hunter Biden laptop to the Steele dossier to decreeing that the origins of COVID were defeated definitively proven to be zoonotic and not conceivably a lab leak, blah, blah, blah. She has systematically been an enthusiastic uh, participation participant in disinformation, okay? Wow. Came across that, been waiting to bring it to you. Well, here's a little history for you. You probably remember this. On the morning of April 27th, Department of Homeland Security announced the creation of the first Disinformation Governance Board. Tapping Nina Jankowitz, a well-known figure in the field, as the board's executive director. And naming the 33-year-old Jankowitz to run the newly created board, blah, 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 expert in her field, blah, 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 writes the Washington Post. But within hours of her appointment, she was thrust into the spotlight by the very forces she dedicated her career to combating. Jeez Louise, the Washington Post is just beyond help at this point. Uh, they talk about the unrelenting barrage of harassment and abuse she's taken on the right-wing Internet. I guess that includes us perfectly reasonably pointing out her history in this. Well, folks, here's your breaking news. Breaking news, Michael. <laughs> when news breaks, the donkey brays. Now, just three weeks after its announcement, the Disinformation Governance Board is being paused okay, according so to multiple employees at DHS. That means it's done, uh, which uh, everybody was hoping. And uh, So it was a bad idea and they picked a particularly bad person to be in charge of it. It's, I mean, it's astounding floundering. I'm, oh, not, yeah. I'm not trying to rap. Um, it's pretty good. I love your flow. <laughs> but but the, the fact that they did such a bad job of picking somebody to be that Reminds me of them doing such a bad job of picking their new press secretary that has been panned by so many in her first couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Just awful. So this is interesting. This is how government works. Uh, By Tuesday morning, Ms. Jankowitz, Scary Poppins, had drafted a resignation letter in response to the board's dissolution. But Tuesday night, Jankowitz was pulled into an urgent call with DHS officials who gave her a choice to stay on, even as the department's work was put on hold. In other words, you can stay on the payroll doing nothing if you want. Oh, wow. Jankowitz is said to be evaluating her position within the department. This all reminds me of, a, 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 I was taking in a podcast yesterday, and they uh, they were all beaten up on the new White House press secretary. We're supposed to call her by her initials. What are her initials? I know most of you don't know who she is, and I don't blame you. You shouldn't You shouldn't pay attention to this crap. But anyway. That would be KJP. KJP, and how bad she is. And somebody made the point, and this might actually be true, on how why so many of people's Biden's people are floundering. 
is that um, when an, when a new administration comes in, a brand new re- uh, administration, they have their A team. They have the very best people out there. You saw it with Trump. You saw it with Obama. You see it all the time. I mean, you the like really top quality press secretary, secretary of defense, everybody. I mean, just like A level talent. And those people hang around for a year or so, and then they move on because the job wears you out and you decide to go in the private sector and make more money or teach at a university or whatever. It's the way every administration works. Then you get the B team after the A team. And they, those people leave. And then you're down to the C. T- and then so over like an eight-year term, you get down to, you know, quite a ways down the loan. Well, the Biden administration, because the Biden the whole Biden team was really kind of like the the third term of Barack Obama, they're into oh. like your E and F team people to start with. You know, I feel the need to point out for listeners of a certain age that I pity the fool who goes up against the A team. <laughs> but but that might be what's going on here. The Biden administration is the third term of the Obama crowd, and they're into the E team now of talent. You know, I don't know that's that's necessarily true, but it is evidently true. Yeah. Well, they've hired several people for positions that are just astoundingly bad. Yeah. Yeah. Jen Saki, the ice queen. She was good. Boy, she was insufferable, but she was skilled yeah. at her job. She was she was pretty good. Yeah, but this new gal is uh well, who knows? Maybe she grows into the job, huh? Have you heard she's the black, first black and openly LGBTQ press secretary? I did hear that. Uh, I know Joe hates this, but I think the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial is rising to new levels of cultural significance. Excuse me, I have a question. Same question as yesterday. How can this possibly still be dragging on? It's turning into a phenomenon now, I feel like. They're selling tickets on the black market to people for great amounts of money to try to get in there and be part of the scene. (laughs) Wow. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.